It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Mance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, in studio, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Tempe, Arizona, and joined, as almost always, by my co-host, the best co-host in the business, Landon Mance from Las Vegas, Nevada. Landon, welcome in. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, excited to uh, get this show started. So before we jump in and uh, and talk about what you know, who's here and and why, uh, we're just going to kind of if you're listening to this show for the first time, we'll we'll lay out what we do here at Tycoons of Small Biz. So we are a radio program and a podcast put together by small business owners for small business owners, and our whole intent is to give a platform for small business owners to get their message out. Uh, the reality is, ninety nine percent of the businesses in our country are small businesses that are run in local communities. And we don't have the same advertising power as some of the larger companies that are out there. That's why we started it. Landon and I are small business owners. We're also children of small business owners. And so this kind of runs through our veins. And we're excited to have some tycoons in the studio with us today. We've got Casey and Teresa Strunk with Strunk Insurance Group here uh, in the studio from Phoenix, Arizona. So Casey and Teresa, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having us. Austin Landon, thanks for letting us be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys in here. And for our guests, or excuse me, not for our guests, for our listeners, we always have a pre-qualification call with our with our guests and we get to know a little bit about them and understand their personality and their history. And, and you guys have a unique story, right? And so we're, we're going to get to the story on the business side. But before we jump in, you guys are a married couple. So, you know, Casey, you're the president. Teresa is the VP of Marketing and Business Development. But tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of separately, your upbringings, where you grew up, how you guys met, and then, you know, what your family looks like today. And then we'll jump into the business side. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, well, Casey Strunk, I was born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona. I was born into a family of three. Greg Strunk, my father and mother were from Illinois. I went to Thunderbird High School right at 19th Avenue in Thunderbird and grew up in the Moon Valley area. And then I was fortunate enough to go back to Chicago and play golf at Northwestern uh, and receive a a world-class education there. And then in August of, of 2004, I came back to Phoenix, started working in the employee benefits space. And, uh, about 10 years ago was lucky enough to meet my wife, Teresa. I'll maybe let her tell the story of, of how we met. Both of us believe strongly in philanthropy, volunteering, fundraising, and, and that was kind of the root of, of how we got together. So. so I was born and raised in Spokane, Washington, Eastern Washington, and had a great mm-hmm. upbringing and attended Eastern Washington University. I was in marketing and advertising sales for a local TV station in Spokane and moved down to Arizona in 2009 and worked for uh, Channel 3 here, 3TV. In 2009, was involved in a fundraising campaign for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation called Arizona's Finest. It was brought 
10 single women, 10 single men together to raise money for the foundation. And Casey and I so happened to be doing that at the same time. So that's where we connected and then later went out on our first date. And the rest is history. We have two daughters. Uh, Rachel is three and Maggie's first, or excuse me, sixth birthday is today. Oh, wow. Awesome. Happy birthday, yeah. Maggie. <laughs> Happy birthday, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'll tell her. <laughs> yeah, mom and, mom and dad got to be on a radio program on your birthday. How awesome is that? So, yeah, you guys have a, a great story. I mean, so a couple of things that resonate for me. Well, first of all, I, I want to make sure I remember this right. I'm a, I'm a huge college football fan. Mm. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Eastern Washington is the red turf, right? Yes, you're correct. Uh, they laid that down after I was gone. But yes, yeah. Gotcha. Big yeah, Sky, right? Yes. Yep. Big Sky Division. That's a, that's an interesting uh, <laughs> field. You got that one in Boise State with the bright mm-hmm. blue, and you know a few others, but uh, it's it's rare. And now they don't yeah. even allow it any longer. So it's a it's an interesting uh, setup you've got there. I would have I was guessing Gonzaga as soon as you said Spokane, but that's who we cheer for. That's our number one basketball team in the house. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't admit this then, but I'm a, I'm a BYU guy, so. It's, uh, you know, Gonzaga's won a lot more games, so I think I'm safe in saying that. You guys are going to be okay with that, so. But BYU is going to be leaving leaving Gonzaga behind because they're joining the Big 12 in a couple of years. Oh, I hadn't so, heard that. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting change for their for their basketball program specifically, and their football program has been independent, so it's, it's it'll be interesting. But anyhow, all right, so... Interesting story, Northwestern for for Casey. There's more history there, right? <laughs> you know, you're a second or maybe even third generation Northwestern person, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, Greg Strunk, my father, grew up in the middle of the cornfields in Peoria, Illinois. He was a uh, a great athlete in a lot of different sports, but was recruited all over the Big Ten. I think back then it was you know, no, no limitations on how many visits you could actually take. So he might've visited every school in the big 10, but his mother was a school teacher and education was important to them. And he made the decision to go play football at Northwestern. I think he graduated in 71 and then was later drafted by the dolphins the year after their undefeated season. And as he says, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, played for the dolphins for a little bit, uh, played as a loose term, and then uh, was traded to the giants and then ended up in Tucson, Arizona with some buddies that had played football down at the U of A. And and that's where he met my mother and then started our business here in Arizona. So awesome. Yeah, Northwestern is not known as a football powerhouse necessarily, right? But they are known for a very good education. Yeah, any year we can uh, we can be 500 and make a bowl game. That's a good season for, for a Northwestern <laughs> fan. So. That's right. But, you know, that's not why you go there, right? To play football necessarily. So, all right. So fast forward a little bit to the Strunk Insurance Group. So your dad started it. And how long ago did you get involved in in the business? How long ago did Teresa get involved in the business? And kind of what does it look like today uh, with your father in or out of the business, that sort of thing? Yeah. So in August of, of 2004, I drove back across the country, moved back to Phoenix and started working at Strunk shortly thereafter. This was my 17th year inside the business. Um, I had purchased the business for my father just a little over three years ago. About the same time when we had our second daughter, Rachel, 
you know, Teresa and I had a conversation that, you know, if you're going to be in new business development for anybody, it should probably be the agency. Um, we want you as a brand ambassador. I'd love you on my team, both at home and in the office. And so she made a decision to sort of leave the advertising world and, and come to work for Strunk. The uh, purchase of the business um, was rather uneventful at the time. I mean, my, my dad was still coming into the office quite a bit. We still were doing quite a bit of collaboration. He had relationships with a number of his clients. But fast forward um, to COVID about 18 months ago, you know, he's 70 today, so he would have been in his, his late 60s. Um, he made a decision that it was probably not best for him to be coming in the office or seeing clients at that point in time. So he, he took a step back. And, and that was probably one of the best things that happened, not necessarily for the business and him stepping away, but just for our relationship and really me owning the business. It, it gave him an opportunity to see that, that things were going to be moving forward without him in the picture and also gave me an understanding that, you know, I didn't really need him there day in and day out approving every decision that I was making. So it turned out to be a real blessing for the business. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, family businesses have an interesting dynamic compared to non-family owned businesses. You add a spouse in and that takes like an additional level, by the way. I mean, I've, I've been married 23 years. My wife and I worked together for the first six months of our marriage. That was long enough for us. Like it, it just does not work or did not work for us. Um, so it, it's interesting to see you guys make it work. And also, I don't know if it came up in our pre-interview, um, but it's been 10 years since Casey's sister joined the business. Um, oh, wow. His sister, Jessie, left a teaching career to now um, she's our accounting and business manager. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that's cool. Thanks. So, Landon, I think I cut you off. Sorry, buddy. Oh, no, no, you didn't. But uh, I've got plenty of thoughts already, so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got it. Couple of just kind of follow up questions to the uh, to the transition just before we we move on from this because this is a hot topic. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, people just like your dad, Casey, that are in their 60s and 70s, and COVID has kind of accelerated uh, that you know accelerated the action taking when it comes to transitioning out of or selling or transferring their their business. So. Uh, if we can just talk about this just for just a couple more minutes. So my question is, uh, my first question, Casey, is so you you purchased the, the business from your dad three years ago. Is that right? Three and a half. It was yeah. April of? 2018. 2018. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And um, your sister, you said, has been working there for how long? Ten years now. Ten years. Okay. So she's she's been there a while. So talk to us about how that played out. Did your sister, did she express an interest in owning a part of the business? Did she want to lead the business? You know, how did, how did that kind of play into the decision-making, you know, between you and your dad as you were buying the business from him? Yeah. And all of this was really a long time in the making. I mean, we had, we had worked together for, um, 14 years when I, when I finally purchased the business, but started having those conversations several years before. I mean, I think it was 2013, 2014. And and Greg kind of had a target date in his mind of, you know, when I'm 67 years old, that's, that's the time for me. Um, I think he wanted to make sure that 
that I was going to prove that that I earned the opportunity to to buy the business from him. Interestingly enough, we we did all sit down and have a conversation, my father, my sister, and myself. And I remember pretty clearly um, my father asking Jesse, you know, would you want to purchase uh, a portion of the business? And she's got two small boys at home. We provide her with a lot of flexibility um, to work at home, come and go as she pleases. And um, she would tell you that that her family is her number one priority. And to be able to have flexibility in her job and work with family and people that she likes is just a bonus or or the the means that allow her to spend time with her family. And so when she was um, posed with the decision of, you know, not only more responsibility, potentially more in office time, managing employees, and then the financial risk that came with that, she ultimately passed, um, which was fine. I, I don't know if it was a good decision or bad decision either way, but it was an open conversation. And three years later, and I think I can honestly say that that there's no resentment. Um, we've grown the business a lot in that period of time, but I still have a strong uh, relationship both personally and professionally with Jesse. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Um, yeah, I just I just finished reading this book, and uh, coincidentally, going through this pretty extensive training program. It's put on by a consulting firm that does essentially family business transition consulting, family governance consulting, and family conflict resolution. And one of the case studies that we reviewed was something almost identical to uh, what you just described. So that's great that you guys were able to kind of proactively, you know, address that and and, and ensure kind of everybody was on the same page to uh, essentially affect a successful transition. So now that, uh, you know, she kind of works for you, <laughs> has that has that dynamic changed at all or is it still pretty much the same? There's a high level of respect on on both sides. I mean, she's very, very good at what she does. There's millions of dollars our own and client monies that are flowing across our books. And I don't know that I ever recall an error of any significance. And so, you know, I, I view her as an equal and as a teammate, as I do with all my employees. While I may lead them, I don't consider myself uh, their boss per se. And so our working relationship is uh, is great. You know, I think the level of respect that she has on the other side is that, you know, she still asks when she can take days off. And uh, if there's going to be schedule changes, she runs it by me, which can be slightly awkward at times, but it's just part of the part of the process of doing business together. So, right. Are there any other siblings? (laughs) Um, I do have another sister who is who is not in the business. Um, She has a master's in social work and is in the healthcare industry. So. Gotcha. And was she involved in the conversations when all this came about as well, or just it was never a question because she was off doing her own thing? Uh, from from the day that she graduated college, uh, it was very clear that she wanted nothing to do with the insurance business, myself or my father being her boss. So, <laughs> uh, You know, it, it's funny how things change. I mean, I think she was a little older at the time, but you know, I've, I've got a son that's 21 years old now. He's a junior at, at ASU in the, in the School of Journalism, studying sports journalism. And all through high school, he said, I, I can't even imagine 
doing what you do for a living. It's got to be the most boring thing in the world, <laughs> right? Finances and insurance and, you know, fi- you know, financial planning, like how in the world could you get up and go and do that every, you know, every day? And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of a slap in the face to the guy who's providing, you know, the, <laughs> the, for all this. <laughs> the cush lifestyle that you have, right? But now all of a sudden it's changed. He's he's literally considering changing majors and going into personal financial planning as his major. And all that because he's kind of seen the light a little bit. He's grown up. He's living in the world. He's realizing that maybe sports journalism, specifically on the writing side, we've had this conversation like, Artificial intelligence actually writes a lot of sports journalism articles now. Really? Um, you can finish a baseball game, for example, and there's a whole write-out that comes out like 10 seconds later because AI is grabbing all the stats from the game and they're editorializing what happened in the game. And, and there you have it. Part of that is, is that. And part of it is he's starting to have a, a level of interest in this and realizing, you know, managing his own finances, being out at college. I mean, dad still pays rent and tuition. So <laughs> let's be clear about that. But, you know, managing certain finances, he's, he's starting to realize, well, wow, this is actually kind of interesting. And not only that, I think for him, he's realizing that what we do, and I, I include you guys in there, it's impactful to people's lives right? I mean, we're providing whether it's health insurance or group benefits or long-term care or disability insurance, all the things that are, that are super, super important if you understand the value of those things. It's an impactful thing, right, in people's lives. And so I, I think that's really what he's learning is, wow, you know, maybe it is doing something that matters a little bit more than, than writing, you know, a sports article. Now, he, did, he was on the first the front page of AZ Preps 365 this week for his article that he wrote on a local golf, golfer at Seton Catholic. So, you know, he goes back and forth, but it is funny to kind of watch and see where people feel called to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyhow, sorry, not sorry to kind of for whatever reason that just all came to mind and I figured it was it was worth mentioning there. So let's get into the nuts and bolts a little bit of the business today. So group benefits, not everybody understands what that is. And so kind of give us a, a background on the different types of products that you offer, how you interact with employers, and then maybe just kind of talk about some of the top challenges that employers are facing today in putting group benefits in place for their employees. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, you know, one of the things after being in this business for for a very long time that's appealing to me is that, you know, I, I don't think we're really selling a product. We are acting in a consultative role to businesses. And if you are a business and you have employees providing some level of benefits to your employees in this day and age, it's pretty mandatory. I mean, if you want to be able to attract and retain employees, having a group health plan, Benefits like dental, vision, life insurance, disability coverage, um, and then a myriad of other voluntary products that we get asked about, even including telemedicine, telemedicine, mental health, EAP, things, things of that nature in today's environment. They're so very important. And so, you know, most of the businesses that we are dealing with, um, we're not, we're not selling them anything. They're already purchasing it. We're just trying to make sure that they're purchasing it in the right way, that they are providing the best combination of rates and benefits to their employees. And then 
that those benefits that they're investing heavily in are being communicated effectively. Um, understanding benefits is a huge hurdle for the average employee these days. And then also creating appreciation for that employer as they go through the process and really understanding what it is that they're being provided. So, you know, our, our core business is helping corporate clients starting, you know, all the way down to two lives. Well, that's not our target market. We have some, some very small clients all the way up to four or 500 enrolled employees. So really the core of what Arizona business is made up of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, Landon may not know this because he's, he's in Vegas, but, you know, Phoenix is a very large, you know, there are about 8 million people in, in the Phoenix metro area, but I believe that there are two Fortune 500 companies here. Everything else is a small to medium-sized business, and we've got a lot of them. Yeah, and what, what we've found just in terms of the broker landscape, you know, there are a lot of large national brokerage firms here in Arizona, and I won't name them, but their target market um, is those employers with several hundred employees and above. And so they're all vying for for the same large employers here in Arizona. And then when you go down market and start to look at those employers with 30, 40, 50, or 100 employees, there are payroll providers, there's technology companies, and then there's a lot of very small brokerage firms out there that might have one or two employees. But we're uniquely positioned as a boutique regional, regional agency to provide all those services that those national firms are providing upmarket to that business owner with 50 employees that still wants the look and feel of a very large benefit package for his or her employees that they're investing in. So, yeah, it is interesting how that how that happens. So we had a we had a call yesterday, a pre qualification call for somebody that's going to come on the show in a couple of months, and uh, they're they're starting up a bank specifically to cater to the small and medium-sized business, right? Because the same thing happens in their industry where the banks end up catering to the larger organizations because it's more profitable to them. There's, you know, more opportunity there, but there's a huge opportunity in that middle market that you guys are trying to tap into and continuing to tap into. Uh, If it's played right, you're providing an important service to an underserved area of the business owner community. Yeah. And we don't, we don't talk about it a lot, but the number of truly local benefit firms or local anything probably these days is dwindling. Um, I mean, the number of acquisitions across the board in all industries is at a record high, just with the multiples that are out there with um, potential capital gains increases down the road. I mean, we're getting calls every single day. Would you be interested in being acquired? And and the answer is no right now, but we remain local serving those local businesses. And we think that's important. Casey, I'm, I'm curious, you're dealing with a lot of local, smaller businesses. It sounds like you're kind of like your, you know, bread and butter client would be somewhere, you know, 50 to 100 employees, maybe up to a couple hundred I'm sure you're you're having conversations with your clients regularly about uh, the the labor market. So, can you guys talk to us for a couple minutes about the importance of having a a strong, you know, uh, employer benefits package to not just recruit some good people, but also to retain the people that they currently have working for them. Yeah, I, I think I saw the other day that two-thirds of businesses around the world are trying to hire right now. And 
this is the most competitive labor market that we've ever seen. And whether it's manufacturing, some professional services, white collar, creative, every single business that that we are at right now is saying, man, we need people. And so, you know, number one, obviously you got to, you got to attract folks with that benefit package. Um, But number two, you need to keep the great people that you have. And there are going to be companies out there that are throwing money at them to potentially move. And one of the things that employees look at, in addition to the compensation, is the the total compensation that they're getting as a part of that employer. So, you know, what are the level of benefits that I have access to on my medical plan? What are the deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums? How much is my employer contributing? What is it costing me to ensure my family at my employer today versus potentially moving? Is my employer providing me with employer-paid life insurance and financial planning tools like short and long-term disability coverage um, to protect my family in the event that I'm sick or injured and cannot come to work? Um, Are they matching in my 401k? What type of flexibility do I have um, in terms of PTO coming and going as I please? And so really building out that robust benefit package um, is important, but then also crafting communication and creating appreciation around it is probably even more important. And that's where we see a lot of employers and brokers fall flat. You know, I think most of those employers out there have a hard time standing up and beating their chest saying, you know, our benefits are so great. But that is the opportunity when the broker is in there educating every single year to tout that employer and really let them know how lucky they are to have the benefits that they have. Well, and if I could add a few different prospects we've been speaking to recently all over the spectrum. One prospect who is spending uh covering 100% of their employees' health care. Awesome. Way to go. That's amazing. Not all companies get even close to that. To another employer um, owner who has very high-paid, highly compensated employees and don't offer dental or vision. Don't even offer it. It's just not even an offering. Not, I mean, a lot of companies don't pay for that, but to at least offer it, so there's a lot of gaps, and I think where we can help with education too is yeah, I, important. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, to your point earlier, the larger organizations, I think they think they're providing the education, but they'll typically put together the website and maybe some videos or whatever that the employees can watch to educate themselves mm-hmm. on it. And a differentiator for you guys being a local organization is to go in and do those educational meetings to help the employees understand what it is they truly are receiving, right? Because if, if they don't understand the benefit and the value that they're receiving through those benefits from their employers, they're going to be more likely to leave and look for other jobs because they don't realize that the grass isn't greener somewhere else. Yeah. And whether it's our agency or other excellent brokers around town, I mean, you also want to make sure that those employees understand how to use their benefits, because if they don't, they're going to get into trouble down the road and, and not appreciate them at all. Brought something to my attention. I know Len's got something to say here, but you, you talked about that employer that's covering 100% of the healthcare benefits, right? And I, I've got a client that was doing the exact same thing. It sounds great mm-hmm. and it is great, but he wasn't doing a match to their 401k plan. Mm. 
And so the question was, have you had a conversation with your employees to see if they would rather contribute some to their own medical benefits Mm -hmm. to then get the match to their 401k plan? So those types of conversations are extremely valuable. Well, and, you know, one of the things that we're doing for employers all the time when we when we initially won um, the right to do business with that employer, I immediately put together a benchmark report and said, you know, do you know what the rest of the industry is doing when it comes to contributions? Um, while you need to be competitive, you don't need to be this competitive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So potentially shifting those dollars away to help the employer bottom line or shift into other employee benefits, you're, you're right on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Teresa, you uh, made a comment and then Austin kind of followed up on it, which is a great kind of lead up to my question. But when you when you come across a, a prospective client and you're having a discussion with them, and they say, "Yeah, this is this is great," but you know, I I, I think my employees are are happy as it is right now, and I don't think we can really afford this additional expense. How do you kind of help people see the light and and really understand the importance of having a, again a strong comprehensive benefits package? Well, I think in, in this specific scenario that, that Teresa mentioned, I mean, the conversation was, yeah, it's, it's great that you're, you're providing this medical benefit that you're contributing at a high level. Um, but when employees look at your benefit package, it's not looking very robust with a standalone med, uh, medical plan. And in this day and age, even just offering the standard medical, dental, and vision coverage is, is, is not enough. And so we moved the conversation towards what tools can we provide your employees that they might not be motivated enough to go get on their own, um, give them access to it at discounted group pricing, and, and maybe you don't contribute as an employer, but you've at least included the opportunity to, to buy those benefits and make those decisions, and at the same time, greatly enhanced the package and perceived perception from your employees. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to relate because I've been, you know, kind of an entrepreneur for most of my adult uh, life, but I did work for a big, uh, huge corporation. I worked for uh, a bank for a number of years. And um, I'll tell you what, it was interesting. You know, Austin made a comment about, uh, providing a website or a program for employees to educate themselves. And I remember I was on a, on that exact website, you know, for the bank and I was poking around and I must've found three to five services or benefits that were available to me that had never been communicated. And that were, I mean, material um, opportunities to take advantage of, but people just don't know about them because they're not even told that they exist. But it sounds like you guys have a very different approach. You guys are being, you know, from, from many different angles, you're being proactive in educating these employees, uh, which I, I, I believe would be of great value to the employers because if people are taking advantage of these, these great packages that you're putting together, I mean, ultimately, that leads to a much more satisfied employee. It's it's funny you say that, Landon. Typically, the larger the client, when we when we win their business and find out what's going on there, 
the less frequent the employees have ever seen the broker or anybody from their team um, or have ever had any type of in-person engagement or education around the benefits. And so, you know, what what our employer groups charge us with is being the messenger, um, whether it's boots on the ground, small group enrollment meetings, or, you know, a large shift over the past 18 months really towards webinars where, where employees can engage that are recorded. Um, and then, you know, they always have direct access to our team to have those difficult one-off conversations about, you know, what is this next year going to look like for you and which one of these plans is, is right for me and my family. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a differentiator. And, you know, one other thing that comes to mind along these same lines is a conversation that I had recently with one of our clients, Landon. I don't remember why, but Landon wasn't there. Um, but we had we had a conversation around, it was the CFO of the of the company who had this viewpoint of what the medical benefits should look like. And I had to stop him and say, you know, I understand that that's your viewpoint. But that's not necessarily the way that your employees look at it, right? He's like, I don't want to offer some high deductible health plan. That doesn't blah, blah, blah. I want the full platinum plan. And I said, well, that's what you want. But that's not what all of your employees want. So you've got to offer them options. I I say it all the time to our employer groups that one size does not fit all and choices are good. Um, if communicated effectively, you would be amazed that employees have the ability to navigate between three, four, or five benefit plans and arrive at the one that is right for them and their families. And so while some employees might want more premium taken out of their paycheck to protect their downside in the event of that major medical claim, there's a heck of a lot of people out there that want the least amount taken out of their paycheck so that they can put it into a health savings account or keep it in their own pocket in the event of of that same scenario. Yeah, because I mean, what I told him was, look, you, you and I look at the world maybe a little differently, but you and I are in the same age group closely. But I said, I've been on a high deductible health plan myself since 2008, and I'm a financial guy. And so I, I run the numbers every single year compared to a traditional platinum level plan. And my out of pocket, I win every single year, right? But I'm comfortable taking on that additional financial, you know, risk, so to speak, and, uh, and have the, the HSA for that reason and, you know, the different things that I can do to mitigate that risk. But if I go in with my eyes wide open and I understand it and somebody has taught me how it works and I make my own decision, that's, that's ultimately what your employees want. Yeah, 100%. Educate them and then empower them to make the right decision for, for them and their family. Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, host of Tycoons of Small Biz and co-founder of Backbone Planning Partners. If you're listening to the program and you're wondering how you could also be a guest on our program, please reach out to us at backboneplanning.com. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it's mutually a good fit to have you on the program. And also, if you're thinking about your business and what we do at Backbone Planning Partners and helping our business owners to plan for their biggest asset, that being their business, and want to understand what it's worth and how that's beneficial to you in your financial planning journey, please also reach out to us at backboneplanning.com and we'd be happy to provide a no-obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the show today. So I got, it's just kind of a two-part question. I totally get it. You know, every employer that you guys work with, I, I'm sure you're you're crafting a different strategy and, and a package based on their you know, unique needs and wants. But if we just kind of look at like a, you know, like a a strong kind of traditional 
benefits package, maybe for a, you know, a company with a hundred plus or minus employees. I mean, what, what does that typically consist of? That's kind of the first question. Then the second question would be, you know, uh, outside of just, you know, more traditional uh, benefits themselves, kind of tell us about what, what else, what other services that you guys offer as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, not to geek out too much on the insurance front, um, but I think if we're talking about sort of that standardized 100 life employer and the benefits that they're traditionally offering or should be offering, I mean, we're looking at a minimum of at least three medical plans, probably one or two choices on the dental front. Vision insurance is a need for a lot of folks out there. And then we would expect some level of employer-sponsored life insurance, even if it's as low as $20,000, and then allow employees a vehicle to purchase additional life insurance. And while purchasing group life insurance may not be the most efficient way to do it, we find that a lot of employees out there are not willing to fill out a 30-page application and get a paramed exam. Um, They just want to check a box and, and have a guaranteed issued life insurance of a couple hundred thousand dollars. We have a lot of worksite companies out there that advertise on TV, and and we won't name them, but products like accident insurance and critical illness insurance and hospital insurance, I always say that's like buying car insurance that only pays out if you get hit by a yellow car. They're pretty specific, (laughs) right? And so um, looking at just a solid disability policy, both short and long-term, that's going to cover you for all of those items just mentioned would be the next priority there beyond the life insurance. And then we start to look at some of those potential voluntary products that could reduce out-of-pocket expenses for, for a number of different scenarios. You know, some of the benefits that, that we get asked about that employers might not think of, you know, pre-tax accounts, HSA accounts are huge. I, I don't think that's um, an unknown. Uh, flexible spending accounts for those employees that, know they're going to spend a certain amount every single year and are not enrolled in a high deductible health plan. They want to be able to put a little bit of of money aside pre-tax. Dependent daycare, chat with your CPA. I don't know if it's best to deduct it on the front end or the back end, but should you want to put it in on the front end, you can put up to $5,000 a year into a dependent care account to pay for qualified childcare. Um, Mental health has become a huge one. And so making sure there's some sort of employee assistance program in place where employees have a resource um, to talk about stress, family issues, parenting issues, elder care issues, substance abuse, so that they're not running to HR, they're not missing work. Standalone telemedicine is another big one. You know, we see a lot of pets in the office. Pet insurance gets brought up a lot these days. I try not to roll my eyes when I'm asked about that. Um, <laughs> but the the list of benefits can can get pretty expansive. So I think that answers the question on on the hundred life group. I think what he means to say is we love our pets, but not enough to have pet insurance on them. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, yeah, well, I, we... I'll tell you that my wife loves our pet enough to have pet insurance. <laughs> so, yeah. Well. We we say that until, you know, the dog gets cancer and we're 30 grand in the hole, right? 100%. <laughs> oh, I think yeah, you so, just asked about other services that we might provide those clients. Yes, yep. And I want you to uh, answer that, but I also want to plant the seed in there. You know, um, 
Teresa, I don't know about you. I, I can't remember if you mentioned this or not, but I know that uh, Casey is a big golfer. I used to be a big golfer before I had twins 17 months ago. Austin is a golfer. Are you a golfer as well? Absolutely not. Okay. I, <laughs> right. I, I took some lessons um, before we had kids. I, I like getting out there, but no, I just haven't made it a priority. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, this but may I will. not resonate. What's that? I will. I think when our girls learn would be a great time for me to learn. Yeah, absolutely. That way, you, that way uh, the four of you guys can get out on the course and they can drive you guys around. Exactly. Well, we <laughs> yeah, got to get well, those the, girls ready to play golf at Northwestern, right? Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, well, the, the point of that uh, of that question and comment was to say to Casey before he answers this, that if you're not already doing so, maybe golf instruction needs to be, you know, part of the uh, services that you offer either as part of or separate from your benefits package. I'm just going to throw that out there. I need to get to work on my virtual instruction platform. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, talk to us about some of the other services, please. Yeah, absolutely. Employee benefits is obviously a huge spend and a huge priority. Um, but what we've found is, you know, the areas of technology, compliance, human resources, retirement, they're all sort of intertwined with employee benefits. And so about eight years ago, we started a, a division of Strunk Insurance that we refer to as Strunk HR. And we have an in-house HR business partner who's got 20 years of HR experience across the country in all industries, master's in human resources, her MBA. And the idea was that, you know, the, the small business with 30, 40, or 50 employees, we often find that someone is wearing the HR hat, often begrudgingly. And they might not have a background in employment law and best practices and in, in human resources. And so, you know, there's there's sort of two things that that company can do. They can they can go out and try to hire an almost six figure in house HR person, or they can pick up the phone and pay four or five hundred dollars an hour every time they want to talk to an attorney. And instead. You know, we decided how can we interact with those businesses in a way where we can provide them the level of expertise that they need to manage their human capital at a fraction of the cost of hiring, going to a PEO, or, or having to call an attorney every single time they have a question. One of the other things that, that we have done, um, we started a multiple employer plan 401k. Um, I think today we've got over $40 million of assets inside the plan. And really the idea was to give that small business with maybe a million or $2 million of retirement assets access to Fortune 500 pricing, um, a turnkey solution where we act as a plan sponsor and, and co-fiduciary. So we're trying to help employers quarterback everything related to their, their human capital and then also build out the technology platforms to enroll and consume those benefits. Yeah, you guys have got a, a full, you know, nice setup there. So I want to transition for a little bit. I got to hear from Teresa. And I, I figure you guys talked about this at the beginning, and I think this is right up your alley. So talk to us about giving back. I know that's an important part of, of the business for you guys, but it's also impor an important part of who you guys are. So what, what are you guys doing specifically to give back to the community? Well, I think Casey and I were both raised, um, you know, taught to give back. Um, we've been so blessed in our lives and it's something that um, we 
kind of live our lives day to day um, in trying to now teach our daughters um, those same uh, principles. But yeah, I mean, even before meeting each other, we were both involved in uh, nonprofit uh, philanthropy work uh, service here in the Phoenix area served on various boards. Casey's currently the chair of Special Olympics Arizona. I'm currently the board chair for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Arizona. Greg Strunk is a Life Thunderbird member. So it's just kind of what we do ingrained into who we are from day to day, but wanting to also help bring that spirit into the office with toy drives at Christmas just various things. We went out and supported Big Brothers, Big Sisters and turned it into a, a team, a fun team building event and did their top golf event in June and brought out um, some of our staff. So just kind of, I don't know how else to describe it. Is it just who we are as people, but also wanting to give back into our community and partnering with nonprofits. We have probably seven or eight now, um, nonprofit clients. And we feel like we're a good fit because we've served on boards. We know some of the issues that they're dealing with um, within their business and have been able to partner with a handful of them. Anything to add? No, just in in partnering with those nonprofits, obviously uh, we understand the motivation because we've seen it behind the scenes to lower cost and provide the best benefits to those employees that oftentimes aren't, aren't being compensated um, like some other industries. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's for me, I think it's important for businesses to give back, right? I mean, we're, we're working in this community. We're, we're building our businesses based on the members of this community. And there are plenty of members of our, our community that are underserved so we like to have a nonprofit on once a quarter on our on our program. We actually had a prequel call with one earlier today that's going to be on the beginning of December. Um, it's a it's a an organization that works with foster, kids in foster mm-hmm. care and advocating for them, um, and specifically you know kids in foster care that have some sort of mental disability. So you know it, it's it's important to both Landon and I. We both participate in a lot of uh, nonprofit activities as well. My wife actually is like one of the most caring, phenomenal people you'll ever meet. She's heavily involved, like so much so that I had to warn her on Saturday that like you're putting this before everything, including your health. Like she's she's very involved in the refugee crisis that's mm-hmm. going on. And as you're well aware, we're getting a lot of refugees in Arizona, kind of always have, um, and specifically the Afghan refugees today. And so, you know, those those types of things, I think, get missed a lot, right? I mean, employees, involving them in this is important because a lot of times employees, unfortunately, believe that you're just raking in the dough, right? You got all kinds of money and you guys are just all about the bottom line and making more money for you guys. But the reality is most small business owners are very giving and want to give back to their communities. And it's great to see you guys doing the same thing. Thank you. Yeah. Just before we kind of come to a close here, guys, in a few minutes. Um, earlier, Casey, you know, I had asked you about the um, the uh, the issue with, you know, uh, labor. Uh, and I, I had a follow-up question I wasn't able to ask, but I think this is important. Um, I want to get both of your guys' opinions as to why is that happening right now? Why are so many employers trying to find people and are struggling 
to do so. Well, you might have stumped me on uh, on this one, Landon. Uh, all I can probably do is give you my perspective as a business owner. We just celebrated a number of anniversaries in our office, and it was 17 years, 16 years, 10 years, nine years. And, and I do look around and I wonder, where are these employees going? Why are employers not able to attract and retain employees? And really, you know, for us, what it boils down to is I, I understand that work is probably not the most important thing. Uh, to every single one of my employees. They have families, they have stressors, they have outside interests. And to be stuck um, in an office from eight to five or nine to five every day with no flexibility, and in some cases, maybe um, a leader or, or a boss that they can't relate to and don't feel comfortable talking to, I mean, that that's not a good scenario. And so we try to create a place that people want to come to work, um, where we have fun together. And I think we need a little bit more of that in every business out there. Um, while, while my employees might not love servicing issues related to the employee benefits plans, they should be able to look next to the you know, next to them and say, gosh, I really enjoy being a part of this team. I enjoy the culture here. And ultimately, this is, this is a rewarding experience. And, and I'm guessing that... Uh you guys offer a robust uh, employer benefits package to your folks. There are uh, a lot of benefits paid at 100% across the board that that our folks don't have to think about. That's for sure. Yeah. And just trying to have a great culture too, and which doesn't take a lot of financial to really have fun at work time to time. Before COVID hit, we were doing a monthly happy hour with usually pedicures, Back then, Casey was the only guy, so that was fun for him. And then it made it, it difficult. Um, he talked about being at the desk every day. We now ask our staff, our team, to come in just two days a week. So the downside to that is that we're not always all together uh, every day. So just doing you know, a lunch here and there, getting together as a team, because I think more and more with this uh, virtual remote workforce, Companies are definitely seeing a decline in camaraderie. You know, it's it's a Zoom meeting is one thing, but you know, Austin's right here. So <laughs> I've got a better personality anyway. Um, so just you know, I think I think management owner business owners need to be aware that you know you can't treat this new current environment and probably the wave of the future of where the workplace is going and treat it, you know, someone's birthday, get cake, and we're going to meet, you know, once every three months in the break room for someone's birthday. It needs to be a little bit more than that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been interesting, Teresa. I've had uh, several uh, friends, colleagues, uh, neighbors, you know, just, you know, people I go to church with, whatever. Uh, make comments, you know, the last 12 to 18 months that I, I would have never expected people to say, you know, like, I, oh, yeah, I just, I just quit my job and I'm going to ABC competitor. I'm like, why? I, you know, like, you've been there for 10 years. I thought you loved it there. Well, yeah, I did, but they're requiring us mm. to come back to the office and I'm not, I'm not doing that, you know, so the landscape has changed. Uh, so much since, uh, you know, COVID uh, has uh, 
just changed everything about our lives. So it's just, it's interesting to, uh, to see how it affects this side of the business, just kind of like you alluded to. So, yeah, I think, um, let me actually just add something real quick. So I think there's a lot of things going on, but one of the things that you touched on is that flexibility, right? So employees do want that now. COVID has completely changed that. It's not necessarily about the money. There is some money stuff that's going on. I mean, I have a neighbor who works for a technology firm. He says that they've increased their payroll without adding a single headcount by $14 million in the last few months because they're they're keep trying to keep mm-hmm. people from going to other technology firms, right? And so there is some of that going on, but more so today, it really is that flexibility, the culture, the understanding that my employer trusts me more if they'll allow me to work from home and I'm paid based on what I what I accomplish rather than the number of hours that I punch the clock, right? So there's there's certainly a ton of that going on. And then the last comment that I wanted to make sure that I got out there because we kind of glossed over it is disability insurance is a big, big deal. And most people don't understand that. Everybody thinks or feels like they should have life insurance. And our country is massively underinsured in life insurance as well. But the reality is even some of our clients that have pretty decent wealth and net worth, the disability insurance is is something that's missed and they don't realize that even with some wealth, the largest asset that they have is their ability to earn an income. And so disability insurance should be getting a lot more publicity from a group side as well as individual side if it's not covered through through your group coverage. So I didn't want to let that And pass not by. just from a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to say something there, Casey? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, for those small business owners out there, and Austin and Landon could probably attest to this. I mean, individual disability insurance can be very expensive. Group disability insurance is pennies on the dollar um, when you look at it. And so to be able to have a $10,000 monthly long-term disability benefit that'll pay you out to retirement should you become unable to really perform the duties of your job, it's something every employer should be looking at, not only uh, for their employees, but selfishly. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, and Casey, maybe you know the exact number behind the statistic, but I want to say it's you're you're three or four times more likely to become disabled than you are to pass away, you know, during your working years. So, needs to be a consideration for uh, for all small business owners. I agree with that 100. percent Well, guys, uh, we are essentially out of time. Uh, we have really, really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate you guys making the effort to come into the studio. We love having people uh, in person. Uh, before we wrap things up, um, if there's anything you guys want to say in closing, please do so, but also uh, tell us if people want to track you guys down, what's the uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'll let Teresa give all of our, uh, our track down information. But, you know, just in closing, closing, um, you know, the agency's been around for, for 40 years. Hopefully, we're going to be around for uh, another 40 years. And it's just a blessing to be able to, uh, to help business owners in this community and, and do business with people that we like and care about. So, Yes, thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. And you can find us at strunkgroup.com, Instagram, Strunk Group, Facebook, Strunk Insurance Group. LinkedIn, Strunk Insurance Group, and we're individually on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, I've been seeing your guys' stuff since we've been connected. So I, 
you know, Teresa's doing a great job of getting the message out there and getting some personal side and, and uh, business side of things posted, which is really important on social media. So Thank thanks you. so much for being here, you guys. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.